We are having technical difficulties. All right, you got me now? All right. Everybody wave. Let's get the wave going. We're at the 500. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. Amen. Happy Memorial Day. Praise the Lord. Well, as we get into the Word of God today, um, <clears throat> this is uh, maybe a different message from the standpoint is we are kind of finishing something that we've been doing. Our kids have graduated. <laughs> Woohoo! Graduates. People have graduated college. We're getting ready to go into our summer. We've actually finished our reading plan that the church has been reading the book of Acts and this is the last week of the book of Acts, and so we're actually getting ready to start a new reading plan. We have some things and activities planned for the summer, and what I'm going to do is kind of give us a, um, a run, rundown of some of the things that are coming up here at New Covenant, because I think it's really interesting that even what has been said already this morning, even with the word of the Lord, that God is wanting us to uh, not lay down in our well-doing. Do not grow weary in our well-doing, and we have a reading plan. There's some things that we want to accomplish this summer, and I really believe it's part of how God's wanting to create unity in our community. If I was to title the message today, it would be called uh, Unity in Our Community here at New Covenant. God's wanting to increase our unity, and so as we finish the reading plan, uh, there is a new reading plan on the table right back here, but also at the Welcome Center we are going to start with, uh, we're going to start in the book of 1 Corinthians starting today. So this week we are going to actually read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 as a church. So if you have not jumped on board with us as a church, this is a great way to get in unity with us and begin to read with us because uh, I'm going to give a uh, kind of a, <clears throat> a, not a precursor, that's not, I'm going to give an overview of 1 Corinthians because in 1 Corinthians, it really starts with some problems in the church. And we're going to talk about what Paul was trying to accomplish in bringing some changes to the church in Corinth. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give us a little history about the church that was in Corinth today as a motivator to help us kind of plug into the reading plan. I also am going to, in June, uh, kind of do some teaching on Corinthians as well. But today I just want to give that overview to help us engage in unity and common unity. Uh, you know, the word community is common unity. And so I just really want to invite you to join us and unify us with us in this reading plan. And there's a lot of new, new families at New Covenant. We have a lot of new families. And if you're a new family with here, here at New Covenant, we want to welcome you. We have several that are going to get water baptized uh, tomorrow as well. But if you're new to New Covenant, we really want to encourage you to join us in this reading plan and make sure you grab one of those plans as you leave. Jeff Hughes did a great job of putting it all together, and I just want to say, Jeff, thank you very much for doing that. It's a great plan, so we're going to read, and it's going to take us through the whole summer and into the fall, actually, this reading plan. So I want to encourage you to do that. So. I, I want to start here with what is unity in a church fam family. The word unity in the Bible literally means oneness or the state of being united or joined as a whole. Now, I realize that the enemy fights not only uh, the church from being in unity, 
But how about marriages and our families? Is the enemy always trying to fight with the unity in a marriage? I can't hear you. Is there not a fight in our culture in politics when it comes to unity? Are there not two to three to four to five different directions that people want and there is always a, 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 the enemy is always trying to work to bring division. Is that not true? The book of 1 Corinthians, there was a lot of divisions that were going on in the church. And what we want to do, and there are even divisions here at New Covenant Worship Center. Can you believe that? You'll never get away from the, 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 the work of the enemy. But are we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And God wants us to be a people who are committed to oneness, that are committed to union, unity. Can I please hear an amen on that? So we, we need to fight for unity. And I believe God wants to do more than just get us in unity on a reading plan. Amen? Okay. There is a lot more to unity than just reading the Bible together. There's a lot more in God's heart. And do you realize that in order to be in unity or to be in oneness, you actually have to be in relationship. You cannot have unity without relationship. You cannot have unity without relationship. But you can also not be in unity even though you are in relationship. I know a lot of marriages that are in a relationship, but they're not in unity. Husband and wife are pulling in two different directions. In ministry teams, people pull in different directions. I think we need to do this. I think we need to do that. But there is something in the heart of God about unity that I want to go. And God requires unity, and unity comes out of relationships. So that's where I want to go today, talk about that a little bit. Now, I want to give an example before we get into it. Years ago, and I can now share this because... This family is long gone and deceased, and most of you don't even have a clue who they are. And so I can, I can use this example that I couldn't use years ago. But I want to talk about how you have to be in relationship to be in unity. And we had an older couple that was part of this church way, way back when. And they, they came every Sunday. They were here, part of New Covenant Worship Center. And they were here every week. But they were not in relationship. And they were not in unity. They would come here every Sunday morning and they would come in and they would sit back there in front of the sound booth and they would be quick in, quick out, and they never did anything with anybody inside the church. They were here, but they never ever got in any relationship connection with people. I was the only contact as I was reaching out to them, trying to pull them into the relationship, into the unity of the community. I was trying to pull them into the relationship, trying to invite them to things outside the church when we would have things, and they wouldn't come. But then a tragedy hit this family, and, one, and one, of the, one of the spouses had a stroke that was very debilitating. And I would put on the prayer chain, please pray for John Doe. Who's John Doe? People weren't praying for John Doe because what? People didn't know John Doe. And so then I get a nasty phone call. This church is not loving. This church doesn't care. We need so much help. And no one knew who they were. Now, 
me and my pastoral gifting got a big group together, and we did a lot of work out there, and we did a lot of help, and, and the body of Christ really did come in to love well people they did not know. It requires relationship to be in unity. Can I have an amen? amen? Now, I contrast that situation with a situation we have with precious Deb Tower when her husband died here, Gary Tower, and he, had, he, and he was walking through a journey of, of uh, congestive heart failure. And Gary had tremendous relationship here. How many knew Gary Tower? Gary was a famous, he was a guy that greeted people every morning. He was a guy that was in relationship deeply within this church. And there was a unity in this community that rallied around Deb and Gary. And literally, the, I mean, mowing yards was not uh, difficult. People were volunteering mowing yard. People were volunteering for meals. It was so easy. There was such a unity in the community that gathered around that. I can think of Kristen Supencher when she died of colon cancer. There, she was in relationship deeply within this congregation. There was a unity in this community that came around her. And it was not difficult because why? She was in relationship. And so unity requires relationship. And I don't know where you're at. It's easy to, because uh, relationships can be difficult. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. We can get hurt. Amen. We can get disappointed. Yeah. We can begin to see the flaws of those that we're in relationship. Yeah. If you're around me long enough, you'll find a few flaws. But if you keep me at a distance, you may not see them. And the Bible says, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And so, the church was a caring environment, but that one family never connected. And so my question is, do you have relationships here at New Covenant? Are you wanting, are you waiting for people to come to you, or are you connecting in your relationships? <clears throat> I know there are things that we can do better as a church in connecting people relationally. But I want to encourage us all that we need to be proactive in getting to know other people within the church. Amen? And I'm going to talk about some things that we have planned this summer that's going to help with that. But we do realize that you can come week after week after week to New Covenant Worship Center, and if, and if you do not, and you can still come every week and still not be in unity in this house, you can still not be in relationship connection and God wants to change that. I believe COVID ha has affected that. I believe <clears throat> our iPhones and our phones have affected relationships. I believe the division in our nation and the polarization of relationships have been attacked like crazy over the last three or four years. I believe people's inability to communicate and talk on the phone or talk in person ha has really been affected by um, social media. Would you not agree with me? And the other thing that has really affected this situation is also the fact that there is a lot of social anxiety and social anxiety related around relationships. I don't know about you, but within our own family, there is division. And there's people that doesn't, do not want to be with each other. Do any of your families have that? So why do we expect it not to be in the house of God? What we have to be, though, in the house of God is we have to fight for the unity and we have to fight for oneness and we have to fight to represent something that represents God. Amen? Amen? So here's the essence of unity out of John 17. And then I'm going to go into some things here. In John 17, Jesus is communicating 
and he is praying over his disciples. He is praying over them <clears throat> this prayer. And he says, I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Let's say that all together. That they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Lord, I just pray your blessing upon the reading of that word. Here Jesus broadens the sense of his prayer. And he broadens it from the Father and the Son and he broadens it to the disciples, and he broadens it to all those who will believe. He literally declares something over them <clears throat> that, <clears throat> excuse me, that they all may be one. Jesus prayed that our unity would follow the pattern of the unity of the Godhead. Jesus prayed that our unity in the church would follow the pattern of the unity of the Godhead, specifically in the relationship between God the Father and God the Son in this passage. If the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father and they were in Jesus, that means they were also in the Father because they were one. And so we are drawn into this very this very same relationship, we're drawn into the very likeness of the life of God, and the life of God is a life of relationship filled with love and care. In the Godhead, in the Godhead and in us, God wants this union as he and the Father are one. He wants us to be one as well, and we have to fight for it because I'm telling you, our flesh wants to fight it in the opposite way. But you are made for relationship and you can't isolate, but you need to be in relationship with the body of Christ. So let me give you, I'm going to, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into a quick overview of some of what was going on in the church of Corinth. I'm going to give you a little history today about Corinth. I'm sorry, I'm a little geeky when it comes to history. I'm going to show you some pictures of where Corinth is. I'm going to talk a little bit about what the church was. And really in our last reading in the book of Acts, in Paul's second missionary journey, is when the church of Corinth actually got started in chapter 18 of, of, of Acts, which we just read here several weeks ago. And that's when that church got planted by Paul. But what happens is the book of Corinthians is actually being written four years later after now that church is having problems. And Paul is going to come and bring some uh, correction to it. So who is the writer of, of uh, 1 Corinthians? It's Paul. That's who the writer is. And who is he writing to? He is writing to the Christians in the church of Corinth. It's the first, I want to call it the first church of Corinth. It's not the first Methodist church or the first Baptist church. It's the first church of Corinth. It's a church just like us, okay? And here's where it's located. Well, this isn't where it's located. I'm going to, sh oh man, I forgot to put the map on. Dang. Give Eric some grace. Can you believe it? I did that. Well, this is on the south side of Corinth. So, oh, goodness gracious, that was a terrible blunder. If you could actually pull something up quick, that would be great. 
the, but Corinth is on the southern part of Greece. So we have Italy. Well, how about we do it this way? We have Italy over here. We have uh, uh, Asia Minor, Turkey, Ephesus, and everything. And then the whole Mediterranean Sea right through here. And Corinth is this southern part of Greece. And it is kind of a peninsula. It has a piece of land that comes down and connects it. And Corinth is right here in the middle of that peninsula. And it's only three and a half miles wide between these two bodies of water, the Ionian Sea and the Aegean Sea. Okay, And so ship travel came all the way through this Corinth. So Corinth is about 200,000 people. It's a huge city. It's one of the top five largest cities at that time. And so there's about 200,000 people in that city. And then the southern peninsula, it would be 200 miles around the southern peninsula that they would bring ships. Hey, good job. Well, there's Corinth. So that gives you an idea. Okay, and so you can't really see the peninsula with that, but man, media team, you guys are good. Everybody thank them, thank them, thank them, thank them. I can't believe I did that. But Corinth was known for, guess what? The worship of Aphrodite, okay? Who was supposedly, the myth is, she was the daughter of Zeus, and they and this so what would what, what the sea people would do because tra travel was all through ship they would go around the southern tip of greece and come around with things going to rome and and sicily and all that and back to ephesus and over to israel that was such a port it was a huge port city and it had all kinds of different nationalities and people that lived there but in order to avoid that loop around the south, because on the southern tip of Sicily, or excuse me, of, of Greece, there were terrible headwinds and storms, and the ships would, be, would have a hard time navigating into the wind in that area. So what they would do is that three-and-a-half-mile stretch between Corinth, they would either unload the ship and then transport it the three and a half miles and load it into another ship. Or literally what they would do is they would take the ship, put ropes underneath it, lift the ship out of the water, and they would transport the ship through the three and a half miles over to the other side, put the water, and, and then they would keep on sailing. They would do that rather than going all the way around. Now you say, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, what would happen is sailors would come in and they would take up shop and they would wait for their ships to be uh, changed over, and th they would party in the city of Corinth because they worshipped Aphrodite. And guess what Aphrodite was? Aphrodite was the uh, she was the the Greek goddess of sexual love, pleasure, and beauty. And so, what they did on the southern part of Corinth, on that top of that, that's 1,900 feet that rise. They put a temple on the top of that mountain for Aphrodite, and this is a rendition of what it would have looked like based upon history, and it would have overlooked the bay and the area where the ships came in. And these sailors would stay there, and so it was the Las Vegas of the ancient world. Does anybody know what goes on in Las Vegas? It is the gaming's prostitution, and alcohol capital of the United States of America. Well, this was the ancient Las Vegas 
and Paul plants a church there. He goes to the darkness. Are you hearing me? And this temple would have had hundreds of, of prostitutes who worshipped Aphrodite, and they would go, people would go there in that spirit, if you can imagine. So if you can imagine, there was a lot of corruptness, there was a lot of vile living in Corinth, but Paul plants this church in Acts 18 in, in, in this city because it is a major thoroughfare, it's a major port city, and a lot of commerce and trade took place here. So I want you to see the setting of the, chat, of the book that we're getting ready to read. There was a lot of corruption in Corinth. And after Paul plants this church and this church begins to grow, four years later, he begins to hear problems that are arising in Corinth. And Paul writes the book of Corinthians that we're going to read together, and it's going to help us grow. It's going to help us to face some of the same problems that we have in our church, that we have in our culture. We are to bring light to our dark culture, just like Paul did. He brought the church there. He, there's a church that birthed there to bring light to the darkness, which, which what we just sang about this morning. Can I have an Amen. So I'm setting the context of what that was. Now let's look in Acts. I said Acts 18. It's actually Acts 8. Is that right? Man, I may be messing up. Guys, it's been a wild weekend. I believe I'm wrong on Acts 8. I think that's supposed to be 18. Somebody can look that up. But at any rate, <clears throat> pardon me for my mistakes. Here's what we read this week, or this, this last couple months. This is where the church in Corinth gets formed. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a, a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them. And because Paul was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks while Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching. Look what he did. Paul devotes himself to preaching, to testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive to him, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So, then Paul leaves. Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus, Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. So Paul spends a year and a half teaching the word of God in this house church. This church started as a house church. He spends a year and a half teaching there, equipping the body of Christ, raising up leaders, and the church grows. He preaches, teaches, evangelizes, and raises up leaders. And God is moving. Later on, as Paul would leave and go to Ephesus, he would then meet Priscilla and Aquila, and Paul would meet a man named Apollos, which we read in Acts, and they will meet in, in, in Ephesus. 
And Apollos was from Alexandria, Egypt, who was very, very learned. And Apollos eventually goes over to the church in Corinth as well. And he helps establish the church as well. And that's where we find, we're going to find in uh, 1 Corinthians right away, there's an argument that breaks out in the church. Some follow Apollos, some say they follow Paul. And that's why, because Apollos then goes to Corinth and becomes a leader there, teaching and equipping the people of the church there. So that's a little history about the church plant in, <clears throat> in um, Corinth. That's a little bit about the port city. There's 200,000 people there. And now as we're starting to get into 1 Corinthians, now it's four years later, and now Paul is talking, and he's, he's been getting words. He's been getting uh, reports as he's in Ephesus now. He's hearing about how corruption is now coming into the church. He hears about all this stuff. And now he is now writing this letter of Corinthians to them. And here is the big issue that is in the church of Corinth. Disunity. There's relational divisions between Christians. There are divisions and quarrels and lawsuits among Christians. And he's hearing about all this division. He's hearing about uh, the, the abuse of spiritual gifts in the church and, and tongues and prophecy are being abused in the church. People are taking communion and they're not waiting on others and the rich people are actually getting more food than the, the, the lower class and people are not honoring one another. They're putting their needs before other people's needs. And there's all kinds of divisions and quarrels and fights that are going on in this Corinth church. And Paul is beginning to address the problems. And we are going to learn a lot about how selfish we are as we get into the book of Corinthians. There's also problems in marriage. There's sexual immorality that's going on in the church. There's sexual sins that are plaguing this place. And what had happened is the worship of Aphrodite was now beginning and the sexual sin of that region was beginning to push on the door of the church in Corinth. And, and there was, there was you're, we're going to read about a, a man having intimate relationships with his mother and, 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 and the church is tolerating it. And he's going to talk about church discipline and how to discipline those who are in sin within the church. There's going to be all kinds of stuff that we read about. And it's because even our culture of America is infiltrating into the body of Christ. Can we, is that not true? Is not sin ultimately infiltrating itself within this church and the churches of America? Are we not holding the ground of righteousness and purity that God just began to speak about even prophetically this morning? And so it's even happening in our day. And Paul corrects the church and says, you need to do this. So we're going to learn a lot of stuff in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to learn what Paul, how he addresses it. He's, how he addresses the problems. He's going to see how he addresses the lack of unity in this church. He's going to address the people problems in the church. And we're going to get to learn about what God is doing and how he wants to deal with it within us. So this study is going to help us grow in how we as Christians are to mature and carry our hearts like Jesus and how we are to walk in unity together and 
run away from quarrels and fights and divisions and come back to unity. That unity has to come inside of relationship. Amen. So, in this passage and in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul actually gets to this place where he is expecting. Everybody, anybody, like, anybody like expectations? Anybody like expectations? Do you want to know what God expects? Paul expected Christians to shine their light in the darkness of Corinth by worshiping in a unified community that was accountable to one another. He expected them to settle their relational disputes within the community through walking in love toward one another. He will teach them how to love well, how to honor well. He will teach them how to have unity in the church and, and how to make church family a priority in unity. The very things we need to learn and the very things we need to grow in. So, my question today is, because I'm tag-teaming with Brian Hughes today. Brian's going to share some things, too, here in a few minutes. But will you engage in unity with us when it comes to reading 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians? Would you make it a priority? We're only reading one chapter. Well, there's a time or two where we're reading a couple chapters. Will you engage in unity with us and begin to read 1 Corinthians with us on a weekly basis? Number one. Will you, unite with us, will you unite with us in eliminating divisions in, your, in the church family, but also in the, your own personal family? Division is the word disagreement between two or more groups. Will you unite with us to eliminate contention? If there's contention in you or others within the church family, that we would make it a priority to say, no, not here, devil. No, not here. I'm not going to participate with that. Because when you talk about contention in that scripture, the word contention means disagreement brought to arguing, hostility, or breaking of relationship. God does not want his people breaking relationship. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. Will you unite with us in being united with one another and growing in our healthy relationships? Because what we're going to do this summer, there's several things that are already scheduled. There's several things on the book. Of course, we have our Memorial Day picnic tomorrow. It's a way, one way to get together, but... We have some special things planned this summer that will help us get together and grow in our relationships. Things that will help unite us in bringing the family of God together. And it will help new families who are a part of, this, a part of New Covenant to help them get plugged in as well. I've made a whole list. Some of this stuff's all already been going on, but I wanted to make a list for you guys to snap with your phones to begin to write down which part of these are ways that you can get involved in becoming more unified with what God is doing here at New Covenant. Here are 11 things that you can be putting in your calendar and being a part of getting in relationship. Because if we're going to walk in unity and we're going to walk in this journey together, we need to be connecting ourselves in relationship. And here's ways you can get connected at United, here at New Covenant Worship Center. Unite with us on the reading plan this summer. We're going to start this week by reading 1 Corinthians 1 and memorizing James 1 through 2. On Memorial Day picnic tomorrow, it starts at 12.30 p.m. I want to hear, tell you, everybody, I've had several people ask me where it's at. Don't go to Westwood Park. Don't come here. It is at Cornerstone Campground down on 500 South at I-70 and State Road 3. Everybody say Cornerstone Campground. So what we're going to do, there's the, Chris and Shelly Hansen have opened their house up on 308 South Main Street, 
and they have a big porch if you want to go there and watch the parade. And as soon as the parade is over, a bunch of us hightail out to there. If you want to help with cooking, we start cooking at 11 o'clock. We'd love to have your help. But uh, that is tomorrow, and it's a great way. But here's what I want to say. Get to know someone new. How many times do we go to the church picnic, and what do we do? Sit with people who? Sit with people who? That we know. We all have social anxiety. I want to encourage you, mingle. Just don't go to Tom. Just go to everybody else. No, I'm just kidding. Mingle. Mingle. Get to know people that you don't know. Let's enlarge our relationships. There are some great people that you need to get to know. We have the women's Bible study that's starting this, this week. Come in unity with women on Wednesday nights at 6.30. We have prayer on Wednesday nights as well. Come and pray. We have the dance class on Thursday nights starting this Thursday at 6.30. That's a great way to learn how dance is a form of worship. We have the church family meals that Tiffany just talked about. Sign up and get uncomfortable. Everybody say, get uncomfortable. If you're ashamed of your house, then go to the park and have a cookout. If you don't like cleaning your house and it's a pig pen and there's clothes everywhere and you're embarrassed about it, fine. Memorial Park has some great places to do dogs and burgers. Baker Park. Get uncomfortable. And, and this thing where Tiffany is going to, what would she call the Rolodex thing that Mike made fun of her of? The fun wheel. The fun wheel. She is literally going to put your names as a family in there, and you're going to draw. And you might draw me. And I'm scary. But we'll have fun. It's like our families need to get together. Unity cannot happen without relationships. And we desperately need to grow in our relationships. Can I have an amen? amen. So sign up for the church family meals. The Higher Realm Small Group meets on second and fourth Thursdays of each month at 6 o'clock. You can contact Sam. Sam is this white-headed dude. He's got the best-looking hair in town. <laughs> Him and Christina lead that. It's a powerful time where they go higher in Christ. They go higher into the things of the Spirit, and they want to grow in moving in the things of the Spirit and understanding God more fully. Got to get to be a part of that. We have the young adult group that meets on the second and fourth Friday nights here at 6 p.m. I don't know if you classify yourself as a young adult, but we're considering out of high school to the age of something. <laughs> Maybe 30. I don't know. We, we haven't put an age limit on it. But if you're a young adult, here, I love, here's what they say. Here's what the young adult's vision is. Passionate young adults looking for friendship and connection, desiring to go deep into the Word of God and worship together. If you're a young adult, you need to be a part of that young adult group and get in relationships. Can I have an amen? amen. All right. Outreach. We unite with another church and we hit the streets on the first and third Saturday of each month. We meet at the house church at 515 on the address of 515 South 15th Street at 10 a.m. And we hit the streets. We pray for people. We lead people to Christ out there that are wanting to know Christ. God just opens doors. And then we have our youth camps and youth groups that are going on. If you are interested in getting your elementary kids in a youth camp or your junior high or high schoolers, get them involved in youth camps this summer and also the youth group every other Sunday here at New Covenant. And then we have our Pokagon retreat, August 25th through the 27th. And Brother Brian is going to take it from there. Where are you, Brother Brian? Will you guys welcome Brian Hughes to the floor? We love this guy. He is organizing this. But this, this helps us to get unity in the community. 
And so he is going to come and share some details about Pokagon and really a journey and a testimony of what God did in him and his wife's heart in making relationships a higher priority. Bless you, Brian. Am I on? Perfect. Um, so I really value community unity now because I didn't used to. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, so three years ago, we had a house fire, right? So that's what's left. Of, that's the house I built. My wife and I built, and my th three kids, right? Told ourselves, which got reduced to this in about four hours. Um, so what I didn't realize was how much I needed you, and how much. I took you all for granted, had no idea, right? And this is how most of us operate throughout life, is what can I do for you so that later I can get something from you, right? We only need people when we have a tragedy, a crisis, right? So uh, house fire, right? That's, a, that's my tragedy, right? Um, your definition of tragedy could be something else, right? A death. You name it, right? So it's not about, oh, I'm at the pinnacle of tragedy with a house fire. It's each, it's each individual person um, what it needs to be. Can you pause that? I'm not trying to do that with this thing. Sorry. Um, but a lot of times that's what we do, right? We, we um, only need something from people in time of crisis. In, in business, right, we all have worked for somebody. We've been the entry-level person, right, and not the boss. We all think we want to be the boss. By the way, you probably don't want to be. It's easier not to be the boss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? And so we're, we're kind of conditioned in the world that all you ever hear from your boss generally is what you need to improve. Yeah. Sort of the neg negatives, if you will, right? Very few times do you hear the positives, right? And so in our, in our relationships, we tend to have relationships with people because we need them in times of crisis or support. We don't really ever get to celebrate a lot the positives with people. Well, I don't need people to say, hey, I got a promotion, something, right? We generally don't do a lot of that. I didn't used to. I tried to do that now. But again, this is where community is much more than, hey, let's get some friends together so when I need somebody, right, I have someone to call, right? When this all happened, by the way, I'm not sure if I said thank you publicly. I don't know who helped me. I'll be honest, right? Thank you. Um, we didn't. We can't remember. We tried to sit down and think about this. We're not sure how this happened. Uh, why my house is burning? There's like 30 people in my yard from here. I don't know how that happened, right? It just happened. Uh, I had places to live. Clothes were just pouring in. You name it, right? All that sort of stuff. So thank you. But that goes back to the relationships, right? I was a very superficial person. I stand back there today, right? And I watch if you will, what's happening here. I try to say good morning, how you doing, right? Which is very uncomfortable for me, because that's not me. I don't enjoy this, but it's something I have to do. So I have to do for my job at work, so I do it. Do I like it? No. <laughs> right, <laughs> just saying. Like back there, do I like saying hi to you guys in the morning, and get to know you? Not really, because I would much rather serve you. How can I help you, right? But I still make myself say, how you doing? How's your week been? I try to keep track of some things you had last week to say, hey, did you get that tractor rebuilt? Did you get your menu? Whatever, all that stuff is, right? I still try. Likewise, we do all these, whether it's more like a picnic, whether it's the women's Bible study, you name the events that Eric listed, right? 
what I've started to learn is the more I'm around you, the more organically I learn about you. If I only come see you on Sunday once a week, I can only learn about you once a week, right? Where if I go to every other gathering, sometimes it's twice a week, maybe it's three times a week, right? And that's the cool thing about Pokagon. It's different because now we're stuck together for two days. <laughs> Memorial Day picnic is three hours, right? Women's Bible study is a couple hours. Name the event. Generally, they're two to three hours, maybe four, right? So it's a, any of us can tolerate each other for three to four hours, right? Just keep your mouth shut, and we'll get through this and be gone. And that's the difference with Pokagon, right? Pokagon is more of you're now leaving what you know here. It's uncomfortable. It's a vacation. We've all had have kids. It's not necessarily fun to pack everything up, go to some strange place, and have to deal with all the dynamics of your own family, let alone now I have to interact with all these other people that I may or may not know, and so it gets to be uncomfortable. Well, I'm just here to say that uncomfortableness later, you never know, comes in handy. I would never expect in a million years for the house to happen like this. I would never expected you guys to come and help us, because without all that help, I'm really not sure how it would have played out, really be honest. Um, Insurance helps us and all that fun stuff, but um, literally, I did this on purpose, this is why I had left, this green shirt. This is why I wore to work that day. Now, the jeans aren't the same. This is what I had left, not joking, this green shirt. Right, my wife was in a pair of my boxers and a T-shirt. That was what she had. My kids were at school. But point is, literally, nothing. You don't know what you need, and it. But I challenge you to not think like I was thinking, which was, oh, when I have a problem, let's find somebody. Let's be the opposite side, which is, oh, good times, good times, good times, right? And then when something bad happens, there's not even a need for a phone call. It just happens, right? Which, I know there's other groups that happen uh, that meet together and do things. Awesome. Keep doing it. Do more. Do stuff like that, right? But don't wait till you need it. There's so much more you can get out of relationships before um, that happens. So I have a couple of videos. I'm going to try to show, check, and tell me if it's going to work or not. This is actually a picture from Pokagon. Right? These are kids hanging in a tree. Right? Um, that shelter house in the back is the one we have always have, um, where we can just, all the meals would be, there's a ton of games that go off to the left, there's a volleyball net there, um, but it's the place that we hang out. Other gatherings that we have, this is from the actual last Pokagon outreach we had, which is about a five minute long video. I'm going to kind of talk as you guys watch, otherwise it's going to be just awkward silence of us just staring at various pictures. Which is all good. So, again, this is about, we'll have games, right? We'll have cookouts. We'll provide the food. Uh, this year, unlike last year, we did a, a pulled pork dinner on Saturday night and then a lunch Sunday after church. Uh, this year, on Saturday, we're going to do a brunch in the morning, uh, mainly because we do a brunch that kind of serves as breakfast and lunch, which kind of takes the cost up of two meals that families have to pay for. Now it's kind of all in one. Um, there'll be bacon and eggs and pancakes, some sort of like potato, vegetable thing, fruit, you name it, all that sort of stuff. That'll be um, what we're going to make for the brunch. And then, of course, we'll still do this, the supper or the lunch thing on Sunday, which is hamburgers, hot dogs, much like what you're going to have uh, tomorrow. The way this works is you need to sign up by June 4th. Okay, I have to turn in all the rooms. 
next Sunday uh, for who's coming. So the church will pay for one night. So basically they're going to pay for Saturday night, which is the 26th, I think it is, off the top of my head. I didn't look at the calendar, I'm sorry. Um, and Friday is the 25th. The, 20, the 26th is on the church. No big deal. The 25th would be up to you. You get the same exact price as the church gets. There's packets out there at the Welcome Center if you haven't already got them. Entitled 2023 Family Outing. It has little details in it. All you have to do is say, hey, I want to be there on Friday night and Saturday night. Great. I, Brian Hughes, my wife, will take care of making all the reservations for you. For those of you staying at the inn, I will say, Eric Haler, he's going to be there on Friday and Saturday. Here's his email. Here's his phone number, right? When you guys show up on Friday to check in, that is the day that they're going to ask Eric for Friday night's payment. So you don't have to pay now. You will pay the day you check in if you're coming in on Friday. If you just come in on Saturday, fine, no big deal. Just come Saturday. You still check in, but there's nothing to pay for because you're only there one night. That's how that works. The campers are a little different. Uh, last year, the campers, right, uh, Dave Willis got all your names. He made all the reservations, which was a nightmare. Uh, so this year, the way the campers are working is you make your own reservations. So the importance of the camper signing up is so that at the end of the day, I know how many people are coming, so I know how many people to feed, right? So as you sign up for these things where it says number of people attending, uh, that's really what it's for. If you tell me one person's coming and you bring eight, well, there's probably a chance there may not be enough food if everybody does that, <laughs> right? So it's really important you put down how many people are coming, say, at the inn, or how many people are coming to camp. I'm um, after the total number. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, it's much like sort of going on vacation. If you go to the beach, if you go anywhere, right, bring your lawn chairs because we all hang out and play games, right, do whatever. There's not like a set schedule. If you want to be a loner and go swim at the beach, okay, no one's going to police you. We're just providing an opportunity for all of us to get together, hang out, again, for two days, sort of be stuck together, which is another dynamic. It is what it is, right? You learn some things. It's a great time. Yes, it is. It's actually very fun. Um, it may seem kind of boring just hang out for two days. Uh, it actually goes by pretty quick. Um, we actually tried to do it over Memorial Weekend, no, Labor Day weekend, but we couldn't get any rooms so that it wouldn't be quite so rushed. But we weren't able to do so. So um, I encourage you to go. Uh, sign up by next, um, next Sunday, if you would. If you have any questions along the way, uh, feel free to reach out to me and my wife. Like I said, on June 6th, which is two days after the 4th, I turn all rooming lists in. I will then let you know you've been turned in uh, so that if you get any correspondence from the inn, you know why. Uh, but the, all the information you need is in the family outing packet, right? If you would like to donate to the whole food cause, right, financially, that's something you can do. You can put in the offering and put down Hokagan food, uh, and then we will use that to go buy all the various food that we need. We pretty much have it all already, right, that I went on and got. Um, but anything you can donate to help offset that cost would be great. But the church ultimately will be paying for everything we need, but if you really enjoy it, you think it's a good outreach, right, a good way for us to get together, uh, please feel free to donate. Thank you. <clears throat> Last year we had 85% of the church go. And just so you know, church services shut down on that weekend because we have church service up there. 
And so um, if you don't go, I would encourage you not to show up here on Sunday morning if you don't go, because there will be nobody here. So but I really want to encourage you. There's some really neat things that we're doing this summer. And uh, I know Sean mentioned that we even have the marriage date night that we do every other month. We did not know the, what that was going to be yet, but we also do a marriage group where we have date night as well through the summer, but we just don't know when the next one is yet. But there's just a lot of ways that you can get plugged in, and uh, let's work on our unity in the community as we move into 1 Corinthians and reading plan. Make sure as you leave today that you pick up one of those reading plans, either on the Welcome Center or the table. But let's, uh, let's press into being, having and being unity in our community. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, God, for New Covenant Worship Center as you have. You're doing a work of uh, renewing our relationships and focusing on the unity in our relationships and in this church. And I just pray, God, that you would help us to, uh, to really draw closer to you. Because really, we want to represent your Godhead and the unity that you and the Father and the Spirit have. Father, we want to be in unity as you are in unity. And so, God, we thank you for that. We just pray your blessing upon our Memorial Day picnic tomorrow, God. We thank you for how many are getting water baptized who have made commitments to you. Father, thank you for that, and we just praise you, and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, God bless you. Have a great day. We love you.